Hey, welcome to Grace Online. Glad you could take some time and join us and uh, grow in your spiritual journey. So if you're just joining us for the first time, last week we started a whole series on the book of James, which is a great book in the New Testament. It's a letter written by Jesus's brother to a group of Christians that were scattered all across uh, the specific area outside of Jerusalem, all around that area. And they were actually dispersed because of persecution, things were happening. So it's a great book for us to think about as we're going through trials, as we're going through what we're going through right now with COVID-19. And so that first week, as we were just looking at introducing this book to you, we talked about what's vital and how do you know what's vital? And we did that through an acrostic, PPE, which is a term you're hearing a lot right now. And that meant pulse, passion, and exercise. We looked at three areas that were very important to James as he spoke to this church to encourage them as they were scattered all across a region like we are right now. And last week we asked you to take the vitals test and you looked at how's your pulse, how's your passion, and how's the exercise of your faith. One of the things that we gave you to do to help in that is to start a devotion. If you haven't started that devotion, it's not too late. We're gonna put the link right in the chat area. Make sure you grab it. That devotion will be one of the most important things that you do in this season so that you can connect with God's heart and be encouraged. What we're hearing from people right now all across the peninsula, all across the shore, is that they are struggling with depression. They're struggling with anxiety. They're struggling with feeling disconnected. They're struggling with feeling alone. And that's because I think at the heart of our very culture, we're driven by happiness. And at this season, in this season, we are very unhappy. You see, happiness is easily impacted by mood or circumstance. Now, you may think I'm talking about other people that are moody and maybe you've got some moody people around you, but no, we're talking about happiness. Happiness is easily impacted, again, by mood and circumstances. Um, one, of the, one of the projects I've had in this season, some of you know this, some of you don't, is I've got an old beater Jeep that I'm working on. I'm fixing it, you know, I've lifted it, you know, I keep working on it to make it run smoother. And uh, every once in a while I get a chance to take that out and just go for a ride. A buddy of mine saw me recently and he said, hey man, I saw you in your Jeep and you look like you were totally in your happy place. In reality, I was. And it's a great illustration because I think we all do need hobbies and things that we can do, but we also need to realize that they can let us down. You know, what happens if that thing breaks? What happens if it's in an accident? You know, what happens if, you know, financially where all of us sometimes, all of us are really working through financial issues in the season, I have to get rid of that old clunker because I just can't afford to work on it anymore because of loss of income during this season. That would affect my happiness because happiness is easily impacted by circumstance and mood. You see, happiness promises an empty hope to you and I. Happiness never guarantees a future or a specific outcome. In fact, if you look at people that have worked through the recovery process, they understand this better than most of us. In fact, if you haven't worked through the recovery process, you should join the, um, our Shore Recovery every Thursday at six. Because one of the things that they've learned is we try to medicate happiness. Sometimes we try to actually medicate through relationships. Can't tell you how many people I've met that go from one relationship to the next looking for temporary happiness. They're codependent at times or they're dependent on a chemical. But on the backside of both of those situations, there's a crash. And that's because happiness just doesn't promise what it needs, what we need. When happiness swerves, 
is where we need to think about letting joy take the wheel because joy is a different concept altogether. That's this week's message title. When happiness swerves, let joy take the wheel. You see, joy is a biblical concept that's different than happiness. It's not anchored in your mood and it's not anchored in your circumstances. In fact, joy is anchored in a man, not a mood. And it's anchored in the man of Jesus Christ. And as James was trying to convey this to the early church, he does it right in the first chapter to help them in their struggles. So if you've got a Bible, open up to James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. We're going to look at that. And you're going to see how joy is such a greater thing to try to work through than happiness. He says, Consider it a pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all that he does. So the question is, who's driving in this season of your life? Who's driving? Is it happiness that's driving your life? Or is it joy? And one of the ways I want to help you think through that and help me think through that is to think about this. Do you look forward to a challenge? When trials come to you, when hard issues come to your life, do you look forward to that kind of challenge? Most of us don't because we are living on happiness and not joy. You see, he says, consider it a pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you go through trials because he knows that there's a perfecting of the character that happens through perseverance and hard work that's connected to change. You see, work is very different than mood. And work that's connected to perseverance always produces great fruit, which is very joyous. You know, um, my son's a gamer and I play some video games. And um, early on, we started playing some games together. One of the games that we started playing together was a game called Halo. Halo is an interesting game. Um, not too crazy, but it's got this multiplayer thing where you can play each other, or play multiple people in a room. And it's just, you know, you, it's a run and, run and gun, run and shoot each other game. And so when my son was young, we used to play it. And I used to love it. It has this sound effect every time you have a really good shot and you'd shoot your opponent, especially in the head, it would say, headshot. And every time I hit my boy, it would say, headshot. And he just got so frustrated early on, he would fall down on the floor, he would throw a fit, he, and he didn't want to play anymore. He just wanted to withdraw. His mood was completely impacted. Now, part of that is, I don't let anybody win. I don't care who you are. If you're going to win in anything with me, you're going to win fair and square. And my son had to learn that. But flip it around now today. If I play my son in the same game, he'll get 26 kills to my two. He tears me up. Why? Because he persevered. He worked hard. He learned the mechanics of the game. He did it better than I did. And at the end of that, now he has the joy that he can look at his old man and say, I'm tearing you up. He usually doesn't. He's a pretty humble, good kid. But the reality is, is the same thing's true of faith. Did you know that depression is something that you can have and still have joy? You can be depressed. You can be anxious. Even clinically, you need medication. And maybe your mood doesn't change. Your happiness doesn't change. But you can have the joy of God right in the middle of that because it's not based on mood or the situation. 
Choice based on an outcome of how God wants to carve character into your life and mine. One of the ways you see this early on is in the apostles, the people closest to Jesus while he had his earthly ministry. After Jesus had died, he was raised from the dead. He descended to the heaven. His apostles began to share the good news of who he is. And they had some opposition. They had some trials. In fact, I want to read one to you out of Acts chapter 5. And listen to their demeanor. Listen to how they're different in their approach to a trial. This religious group of people had called them in and called them a task. And listen to what they do. They called the apostles in and they had them flogged. They had them beaten. Then they ordered them not to speak the name of Jesus and they let him go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin, that religious group of people at the time, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. In other words, for Jesus's name. And they continued to teach about this amazing man, this amazing savior and all that he had done in their lives. What was different about their life and mine and, mine and yours at times? was they could see that the outcome was their character. They could see that what was gonna happen was God was perfecting in them the same personhood of who Christ is. And they counted that as a joy that they suffered in the same way or in a portion of the same way that Jesus had. Number two, how quickly do you ask for direction? How quickly do you ask for directions? When you're on this journey called life and you're moving forward, how quickly do you ask for direction? Because James says, if you lack wisdom, ask. Now he just doesn't say ask, for anything in wisdom. He's saying in the middle of a persecution, in the middle of your greatest trial, is your first priority to ask God. For most of us, it's not because we really struggle with pride. We think we know it better, we live it better, or maybe the world's got a better way of doing it. You see, the problem is, is when you have that kind of thinking and you start to have these kind of emotions, instead of drawing closer to God to ask and closer to people that are godly people, you withdraw from them. You withdraw from the people that you need to get closest to, and you withdraw from the God who wants to be close to you and to give you the wisdom that you need. You see this with even people and how they're talking about their families right now, the people they should be closest to, they're having the greatest tension with because we lack wisdom. And it's not just you, it's me. Every Wednesday, I fast breakfast and I fast lunch. And my wife even asked me, how long are you gonna keep doing this? You know, in this season, I just need to hear God. I need his wisdom. And one of the things I've learned through uh, spiritual disciplines is when I fast and I, can, and I have that little hunger, it drives me to remind me to pray. To pray and to ask God, what is it you want of me in this season, in this really interesting time in which we live? What is it you want of your church? How can we lead in a way that honors you and loves people and helps them to connect with your heart? I need that. And you need that. And until this thing subsides, I'm just going to continue to fast and to pray every Wednesday. And maybe you need to add another day to that because I need God's voice. How often do you stop and you just, you're not prideful and you just need and desire and ask for God's wisdom in your life? That's important when we're in the middle of a trial. The third thing is, how often do you recalculate? 
How often do you have to recalculate? I love in the early GPS season, every time you make a turn that you didn't agree with the GPS, it would say recalculating, and it might take a while to do that. I think that's a great way of thinking about this whole idea of double-mindedness. God's laid out a path. He's put out a path that's straight. He's put out a path that's certain, but oftentimes we're veering off the path and we're recalculating. We're double-minded. We're up and down spiritually. The reality is is we, we keep jerking the wheel all around instead of just staying on the path. You know, um, early on we started to do family trips. I don't know if you've done long family trips. One of the things you learn is there's these great places called rest stops, right? And, and every once in a while you just need to pull off and get to the rest stop. You, you don't need to recalculate. You don't need to change the path you're on. You just need a break. And I think that's one of the things that's wrong with us. We lose sight of, we know the direction we're to go in, but sometimes we just need to pause get off the road and just take a break. And instead, we try to find a shortcut. We try to find an easier way. One of the ways I see this happen a lot in the lives of people today, as an illustration, is people that just wanna live together instead of be married. You know, God has this beautiful idea called covenant relationship between one man and one woman and this beautiful relationship called marriage. And when it's lived out based on the path that God's laid out, it's beautiful. It's wondrous, it's amazing, but you and I look for shortcuts. You know, we'd rather live together instead of learn how to live and do the hard work of living in covenant marriage. And when that happens and we try to take the shortcut and we don't stay on the long road, we show God that we're double-minded. And it amazes me that we want the blessing of God without staying on the path that God's laid out. It just doesn't make sense. Why would God provide the blessing in that specific area of your life when you're moving contrary to the direction that he said is wise? So how do you let joy take the wheel when happiness is swerving all over the place in your life? Well, you have to learn to take the long, hard route. You have to learn to take the long, hard route. He says, consider it pure joy. Pure joy has nothing to do with happiness. It's based solely on knowing this is the route for me. It doesn't matter how hard it is, but God's carving out the character that God needs to carve out in my life. Stop trusting the GPS as the quick fix. You know, GPS stands for global positioning system, but for a lot of us in life today, it should stand for Goober's positioning system because we're trusting the world in areas that we shouldn't trust. And we just need to get a map out, an old fashioned map with red lines and blue lines and black lines and read it. And for you and I, that's called the Bible. Stop trusting all this other stuff around us and just trust God's word. And the way that you get that is you have a daily quiet time. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I remember when Sue and I first started traveling and we just started you know, trying to figure out how to navigate life together, literally in a car. And we had to start learning certain things about who we are. And one of the things that we learned was, and I learned from her, was you know, once we've laid out the route, you know, I always want to try to find the shortcut. Can I get there quicker? Can I get there faster? Can I beat the time that we were supposed to take to get there? She had this perspective of, can we just enjoy the journey? We already know the path. And it might take longer to go this way, but it's a beautiful, wonderful path that makes things better. For a lot of us, that's what we need. You don't need a new route. The path is well-worn. So many people have lived out the Christian faith long before you and I were even alive. And the path is worn well in what we need to do and what we should be doing. God's seen it over and over and over again. He's lived a lot longer than you and I. He has no beginning. He has no end. 
and he sees every situation. And yet we have such a hard time trusting him and what he has to say in his word. There's nothing new under the sun. And here's the reality. There's gonna be no journey that doesn't have human risk and trial that's worth living. God's in the midst of that. So one of the areas I'll, I'll, I'll kind of show this for you is um, think of the area of savings. A lot of people that this season have really struggled financially because they had no savings saved up to live through an epidemic like this, right? And so they've struggled financially big time. Sue and I, of course, have also taken a hit financially. But one of the things that we did based on God's wisdom, based on a well-worn path that God has all through his word, precepts and wisdom he's laid all throughout scripture is we put aside our savings. We gave to God what we should give to God in our giving, but we also, instead of living more luxurious than we should, put aside savings for God. And we've been able to live off of that savings. We also know how to live on less expenses. These are things we learned from God. When you look for the shortcut, you miss out on the character that God wants to develop. One of the areas I see this is the area of the lottery. The lottery, by the way, if you're a lottery player, listen, the lottery plays on a lot of people. It, it, it actually draws from people that should never give anyway and sucks money from them. So here's what I wanna tell you. The lottery is for losers because here's what it is. It's a get rich quick scheme. And instead of trying to get rich quick, why don't you actually produce wealth the way God designed it to be produced? And when you do that, it makes you have character. You ever read the lives of people that win the lottery? It wrecks them because they never developed the disciplines needed to know how to live with money and how to use it. And God's got this wisdom about marriage, life, family, parenting. You and I just need to stay the course, the hard path and do the work. And the other thing we need to do, stop often and ask the gas station attendant for advice. Stop off in a gas, the gas station tenant. Am I on the right path? We used to do that years ago when we just had a map so there were no GPS. You'd pull off every once in a while, you'd get some gas, you'd get refueled, you'd get the car service, and you say, hey, am I heading in the right direction? Is this, yep, you're good. And that's why it says, if you lack wisdom, ask God. Listen, God owns every rofo between here and California. Every time you stop, he's there to meet you, and he just wants to help you. He wants to give you the wisdom that you need. And in our lives, this is a daily quiet time. It's a hang time. You hang out with God, you hear God's word, you pray with him because you need that every day. Right now, I think you need almost every hour and every minute. You know, miles per gallon is what we look at when we look at you know, gas mileage. But I think in this season, we ought to ask the question about miles per God. How long can you really go without hearing from God and letting him fuel your life? You can only go so far before you really start to stretch out your life, to stretch out the car, to stretch out everything. And right now, a lot of you, are, you're depressed, you're anxious, you're lonely. I think those things are the warning light in your life. I don't know if you um, know this, but there's kind of some people that, you know, when the warning light comes on, they're light, you know, they, the check engine light comes on, you're supposed to check your engine. You're supposed to find out what's wrong with it. Some of us immediately go, oh, there's something I should check. There's something that needs to be worked on. Others say, eh, it'll be fine. I'll just ignore it. And it's not a big deal. It's an amber light. It's not like it's a red light, right? Here's the problem. When you and I live, and I think the, the, the light in our life is depression, mood, anxiousness, loneliness. When we live that way and we don't deal with the light, eventually something's going to break down. Watch this video. I think it's a great way to think about this and think about what might happen in your life and mine if we keep ignoring the check engine light. Thank you for driving me to work. You know this is my day off, Sheldon. Oh, good. I'm not keeping you from anything. <laughs> Your check engine light is on.
Mm-hmm. Typically, that's an indicator to, you know, check your engine. He's fine. It's been on for like a month. Well, actually, that would be all the more reason to, you know, check your engine. Sheldon, it's fine. If it were fine, the light wouldn't be on. That's why the manufacturer installed that light, to let you know it's not fine. Uh, maybe the light's broken. Is there a check the check engine light light? Thank you for driving me back to my hotel. Rose, not a problem. I was going to ask Leonard to do it, but he seemed a bit emotionally unstable, and you don't want someone like that operating heavy machinery. No, you do not. Your check engine light is on. Yeah, I gotta put a sticker over that. <clears throat> so, um, Amy, Sheldon tells me you're a neuro something or other. Neurobiologist. Your check engine light is on. Yeah, it's okay. But the light indicates. Don't bother. I've wasted many an hour tilting at that particular windmill. Thanks again for taking me to the pharmacy. Oh, it's no problem. Is everything okay? Oh, I'm fine. It's just some uh, stomach medication for my trip. Uh, there's a remote yet distinct possibility that I may end up in South America. Remember the old days when I would have said something dumb like, why? Uh, that doesn't sound good. Remember the old days when I used to point out that your check engine light was on? Yes. Uh, get ready to stroll down memory lane. Penny, your check engine Yeah, I know! It's on, Sheldon! Oh, no, 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 no. I cannot afford this right now. Maybe it's just something minor. Good news, the light just went out. Pretty funny, huh? What would have happened if Penny would have just gotten the car serviced? What if she had just not ignored the check engine light and she had got something done about it, right? I, I guarantee you could probably uh, guess what her excuses were, right? I can't afford it in this season. Hmm, I don't have enough time. When am I gonna find time to get the car serviced? Hey, it, is it really that important? I mean, it's just a check engine light. Maybe I can just cover it up with a piece of tape. Isn't this how you and I treat our quiet time? Isn't this how we treat the most crucial time that we should be connecting with and getting serviced by God, right? I can't afford it. I just don't have enough time for it. Hey, maybe I can't afford that time because there's other things that really are more important. Maybe it's not a priority to you. Maybe you just are one of those people you can just cover it up with happiness, which is the tape in our life, thinking that you don't need to have that quiet time. And the reality is, is when you do that, it's only a matter of time before the engine in your life blows and you're left in a place that you're like, where was God? And the entire time, God was in the check engine light telling you, you're depressed, you're anxious, you're, you're lonely, you're disconnected. Would you please connect with me every day? Let me service you, let me fill you. That's why we gave you James, that's why we gave you this devotion. He wants to meet with you every day. Whether you do the devotion of James that we gave you or you do another one, you need to meet with God every day, you need to read his word, and you need to pray and have a conversation with him. This is how we keep our lives in a healthy place. 
The third thing is when you're on route, take others along for the ride. Would you please take other people along for the ride? This is how you keep from being double-minded. One of the problems I have in my life, and I bet you have in yours, is I need people to help me self-correct. I'm not that good at self-correction at times. You know, I just wanna do what I wanna do. But when I have people that are on the same journey with me and they're headed in the same direction as me and they want the same things from God that I know that I want from God, here's what happens. When I do something stupid, they tell me. You know, I took a group of students up to Philadelphia one year. It was a, a summer mission trip. It was a great trip. We had a great mission trip, inner city mission. Um, we were on our way out of Philly and a, a friend of mine came up to help me. Um, she's, she was a bus driver. Her name is Celeste Savage. Uh, Celeste now is uh, the one that uh, manages, is one of the leaders at Halo in Salisbury which is a lot like Love, Inc. here in Seaford. And Celeste at that time was a bus driver. She was very experienced. And how gracious of her to come up and help me bring these kids back, right? So she comes up and I don't know, I'm an idiot. I, I, here's a person who's experienced, knows how to drive a bus. She's got all these years. She knows her way in and out of Philly, but I had this brand new GPS, stuck it on the windshield and put her behind me in the bus. And she's following me out. And I remember I'm getting ready to take this turn and she calls me, she says, what are you doing? And I said, well, the GPS says go this way. She goes, yeah, you can go that way if you want to spend an extra two hours in traffic and frustration, right? Or you can go this way and we'll be home on time. We'll get where we're supposed to be going because she had experience and she knew what the well-worn path was. And I had a choice to make. Trust some GPS for what I thought was a quick shortcut or trust a well-proven leader who knows where they're headed. You and I need that in our lives and groups. You need Christians that have been Christians a long time, that have been on this journey, that know what it's like to struggle with a quiet time, that know what it's like to struggle with pain, that know what it's like to work through that with perseverance, to see God's character carved out in their life. And when you're not in a group, when you're not taking others along for the ride, you miss out on all of that. You see, that's the point. You get stuck in a cycle and you get stuck just remembering and reliving instead of rejoicing with the direction that God wants to go in your life. And you need accountability to see that happen. So here's, here's what I wanna ask you to do. If you're not in a growth group, would you let us know? Would you, would you put that on your card? We're gonna give you a special card this week to help you connect to a new growth group. Now I know that we're a two-state church. So that means we got some people in Maryland, we got some people in Delaware. Now, our, obviously our, facility, our facilities are in Delaware, but groups meet all across the peninsula. And right now, here's, here's our advice. We're not asking anybody to start meeting in person yet, even though you can in Maryland, because there's some things we wanna work out in wisdom for the best way to do that as we move forward in keeping people healthy. We'll let you know more about that. But we do wanna connect you to a group. And you can connect a group through your phone. You can connect a group through Zoom. You can connect by Facebook. There are so many different ways we can connect you with this accountability, but we can't do it unless you let us know, I wanna be connected that way. So we're gonna put that link right in the message this week of how you can connect to a growth group. And then we're gonna follow up with you because I wanna help you do that. So here's what I'm asking you to do this week. Start this week, use your hang time, use that daily quiet time you have with God to set up a word, a win, and a wrestle with your group, with your group. And that can be your, even your immediately, immediate family group, okay? But here's the way it looks, here's the way it works. Every day you're in God's word, every day he's speaking to you, every day you're reading it. And then I want you to share with someone else in your group, in your growth group, in your family. Here's how God spoke to me, that's the word. Here's how God's at work around me right now. That's the win, and I need your win. I get encouraged when I hear how God's winning in your life, and you get encouraged when you hear how God's winning in my life. And then we also need to be authentic and say, here's what I'm wrestling with. 
One of my pet peeves in group is when we say, how can I pray for you? And someone says, well, my third cousin removed has a hangnail or is going through this situation or just had a heart attack. Listen, it's important that you pray for them because you know them. But what's more important in a growth group and an accountability group is when you say, here's how I'm struggling. Here's what I'm dealing with. Here's where I need prayer. When you start doing that, when you start saying, here's how God is speaking to me, here's where I see God at work around me, and here's what I'm struggling with and I need prayer for, you will start to have God at work in your life and you will begin to see joy at the center and not happiness. Would you do that? Let me know how we can help you with that in your Connect card this week. Fill out your Connect card, but also if you're not in a growth group and you need to connect to one, fill out that. I'll give you both those links. And I guarantee God wants to work in your life in one of these two ways. Let me pray for you. Our Father, thank you for each and every person listening to this message. My Father, I pray in this season that we would not let happiness have the center place of our life, but it would be joy. And joy is connected not to circumstance or mood, but to what you want in our life and that you've laid out a path for us. And at the end of that path is character and character that looks more like Christ. God, that gives me joy, and it certainly gives me hope. In this season, Lord, would you help us to do our quiet time every day? Would you give us the conviction and the strength? And would you help us to share that with other people in a growth group, that we might learn from one another, share burdens with one another, and hear how you're at work around us every day and be reminded how much you love us. Thanks for how you can do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for taking time to listen to the message this week. If there's anything I can do to connect with you, help you, or help you connect with a group, let me know. Make sure you take some time to fill out your Connect card. It's the best way for us to know how to pray for you. Have a blessed week, and I hope to see you soon.